I want to start off this episode by reading you a message that I recently received on Instagram. All right, here it is. Hi, I was currently accepted into OT school, but I'm having some reservations. I feel like a lot of OTs are secretive about their pay. If you don't mind me asking, did you have trouble landing salary jobs as an OT? And do you think you had a good ROI? I'm wondering if it'll be worth the debt. I keep hearing OTs are being shorthanded with pay and aren't earning how much they thought they would. And just to clarify, ROI in that message stands for return on investment. Now, before I share my thoughts, and trust me, I've got a whole bunch of thoughts about this. And honestly, if you know me, you know that this is one of my soapboxes that I like to get on. (laughs) And I just want to say that while this is the most recent message, it's definitely not the only DM that I've received like this. In fact, I've gotten this question rephrased in different ways. Gosh, a bunch of different ways dozens of times at this point. And I bet if I were to ask any other OTP, they'd say that they've gotten this question themselves a handful of times. The truth is that this question is so valid. And honestly, I'm glad this person reached out to ask this question because it shows me that they're really thinking about their future. And a side note here, I wish that 20-year-old Amira would have thought more about ROI and the debt and what this would mean for my life and what my life would look like in the future. So, On today's episode, I'm sharing my answer to this question. And as always, I promise to keep it real. No fluff, no sugarcoating, no beating around the bush. I'm going to tell you exactly the max amount of student loan debt I advise going into to become an OT and give you step-by-step instructions for pursuing OT on the cheapest path possible. And because this topic can, as I'm sure you know, sometimes be clouded with negativity, I'm also going to share why, despite the cons, OT is still a career worth pursuing. They say money makes the world go round, but when it comes to navigating the financial side of adulting, they kind of left us hanging. If you've ever caught yourself saying, why the heck didn't we learn any of this in school, then friend, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Miracle Money Podcast a space dedicated to having the real, open, and honest conversations about money and finance that we never had in school, but we should have. I'm your host, Amira Kondali. I'm a pediatric occupational therapist turned personal finance enthusiast, and I'm here to help you manage your money with less stress, more joy, and a whole lot of confidence. Let's jump in. Do you remember the day you were accepted into OT school? I do. (laughs) I don't think I'll ever forget that day. That day to me is honestly right up there with the day I got engaged, the day I got married, the day I found out I was pregnant, the day I had my baby. Okay, you get the point. Well, the day I received my acceptance was truly one of the happiest days of my life. And I remember I cried so hard because I was honestly just like genuinely really proud of myself. But looking back on that day, I wish that someone would have told me the real, the honest truth. You know, everyone told me who I talked to, you know, the people I shadowed and just all the people who told me about OT as a career. They told me how much I love being an OT and how perfect I'd be in this profession given, you know, my personality and the things that I was interested in and the things that I was good at. And they told me I'd make great money. And they told me, don't worry about the debt. You know, everybody has debt. This is America, right? Student loan debt is just a part of life. But I really wish that someone would have been honest with me. And I wish that someone would have told me that, you know, that day where I was crying, tears of excitement and joy, 
that one day those tears will become stress and overwhelm because I was going to open up my student loan account after graduating and see over $200,000 of debt attached to my name. I wish that someone would have told me how interest on my loans would work. I wish that someone would explain, you know, the cheaper options to become an OT. I wish that someone would have told me their actual salary, not what it said on Google, because I quickly learned that Google just does not give you accurate numbers when it comes to income. Tuition is rising in our educational programs and the master's programs, a lot of them are now switching to the doctorate. And, you know, I've, I've talked to so many students and pre-OTs and, you know, there's this interesting thing that's happening where it almost seems like the schools that are cheaper are accepting less applicants. But interestingly, the schools that are more expensive are accepting more applicants. And, you know, you get into the expensive school and you don't get into the cheaper school and you really want to become an OT. So you go to the expensive school. And we're borrowing extra to cover living. And we know that cost of living right now is high, no matter where you are. And we're borrowing extra to cover unpaid clinicals. Salary is being cut. And that's really unfortunate. But, you know, because a lot of what we do is dictated by insurance, we're seeing, you know, cuts there. And I just truly feel like, not feel, I know that becoming becoming an OT shouldn't result in financial hardship and stress and burden that lasts for decades after we graduate. We got into this profession to help and to make a difference. And I truly believe that something needs to change because we deserve so much more than what is happening. So with that being said, I'm glad that more and more pre-OT students are asking these questions, honestly. And you know, I'm more than happy to be the blunt OT who gives you the answer, not necessarily the answer maybe that you want to hear, but definitely the answer that you need to hear and the answer that I know I needed to hear when I was pursuing OT. So I'm just going to come right out and say it because like I said earlier, I don't want to beat around the bush. (laughs) So how much student loan debt should you go into to become an OT? This is just my answer. I personally do not advise going into anything more than $70,000 of debt to become an OT. And here's why. I want to give you the reasoning behind that. $70,000, you know, give or take, is a realistic one-year salary, particularly as a new graduate. And I'm pretty sure I've said on the show before that there are some new grads who make a little bit less and a little bit more. The average that I'm seeing is anywhere between 60 and 70 k for, you know, new graduates, regardless of which setting, which state, that's kind of the average that I'm seeing. So taking out $100,000, $250,000, doesn't make sense. Given what your net income will be in relation to how much you'll be paying per month on your loans. And I'm emphasizing net income here because that's really the number that matters, right? Not your gross income. Your net is what you actually take home. So that's, you know, after your taxes and deductions, withdrawals, all that good stuff. So your net income is really what comes home with you. So that's the number that I like to go off of. Now, I want to break it down for you and just 
stick with me here. <laughs> I'm going to throw out some numbers, but just stick with me here. So let's say you've got a $100,000 loan and it has a 6% interest rate, which is, you know, roughly what you can expect, 6 to 7% interest rate for federal loans under normal circumstances. Right now, we know that the interest rate is 0%, but honestly, not for much longer because loans are going to, uh, we have to pay them back. <laughs> so, but that's a whole nother topic for another day. So anyways, 6% interest rate on a $100,000 loan and let's say a 10-year loan term, you're looking at paying roughly $133,000 back. And that includes the interest. So that's 6% interest. So that's how much you've got to pay back, right? So $100,000 that you borrowed plus $33,000 in interest. That averages out to about $1,100 a month for 10 years. Now, 10 years is your standard kind of repayment plan. You can, you know, pay your loans over a longer period of time. But remember, the longer that you are in a relationship with your student loans, the more money you end up paying over time. So typically 10 years is kind of what the plan that you start off on unless you want to change it. So we're looking at $1,100 a month. You're paying for 10 years if you take out $100,000. Now, let's say you're offered a $70,000 gross salary. Your net pay, meaning what you actually take home, will be roughly $50,000, which means you're taking home about $4,000 after taxes. Are you with me? Hopefully. So let's say $1,000 of that goes to loans. You're left with roughly $3,000 to pay for housing, transportation, groceries, save, invest, vacation, like all the things, right? And it may sound like a lot of money, like $3,000, but trust me, life is expensive. And you really don't know how expensive, honestly, life is until you have graduated, you start working, you start getting those paychecks, and you realize that the money that you have in this scenario, that $3,000, you know, after you pay your student loan payment, likely won't stretch as far as you think it will. And, you know, again, these are very rough numbers, but the higher the loan amount and the lower the salary, the worse these numbers get, right? So ultimately, you know, it's your decision. I absolutely can't tell you what to do, but I wish that someone would have given me this advice and I wish someone would have taken the time to like sit down and talk through the actual numbers with me. So how much are you taking out? How much is the interest rate? How long are you going to be paying off that loan? And of course, there's things like, public service loan forgiveness and all these things, but I'm just speaking in general here. So like I said, it's your decision, but I personally recommend you crunch the numbers using like a student loan calculator and consider a cheaper or the cheapest path into this profession. Now, I know I have listeners who are not an OT, so if you're not an OT, still stands. Whatever your profession's average salary is per year, my advice is to make that your max. Future you will thank you, I promise. So now you know, that is the answer to that question. My advice is $70,000. Now, that being said, obviously, I went into way more debt than that to become an OT. There are so many paths to becoming an OT. And, And when I say OT, OT practitioner. So that could be an occupational therapist, occupational therapy assistant, just the cheap path to this career when I say OT. And the reason I want to emphasize that is because for me, I don't think that I knew all of the different options to becoming an OT. I honestly, like, I think I've shared before, I didn't even find OT until 
I think it was like the end of junior year of college. Before then, I was on the pre-med track. And then I was like, chemistry is the worst thing I've ever had to do. Don't want to do this anymore. And then I had this whole like college crisis where I was like, oh my gosh, what do I actually want to do? (laughs) So that being said, I really didn't think about all of the different options to get into this profession because it was like crunch time, right? Like I'm graduating in gear. I got to figure out like what I'm doing with my life. So I just thought that there was, you know, one way to OT. Like that's, this is how you become an OT. And for me, I chose to get the OTD, which is the occupational therapy doctorate. It's a clinical doctorate degree. And the reason why, and honestly, I'll talk about this probably in another episode because spoiler, I'm going to probably be doing a follow-up to this and talking specifically about the OTD and if you know, like what to consider if you're considering getting the OTD because it is more expensive. So that being said, I personally chose to get the OTD because at the time I was hearing about this mandate and I was like, oh my gosh, like I think I need to get the OTD because it sounds like this is what the profession is moving towards and I don't want to have to go back and get it later. So that is why, I mean, one of the reasons, there were a lot of reasons, but that was one of the big reasons why I chose to get the OTD. But that was definitely an expensive decision. (laughs) And I think I've shared before too that I also went to school in Boston. So that's a really high cost of living area if you're familiar with Boston. So rent is more expensive and gas and groceries and like everything is more expensive in Boston. And it was out of state. So I had to like move from North Carolina where I was living to Boston. And I also went to a school that was private. So just giving you an idea of like what my path to OT was, like those three factors themselves were the perfect storm to leading me to graduate with as much debt as I did. Now, that being said, if you're considering becoming an OT, I want to share with you my top tips for getting into this profession with the least amount of debt as possible. And these are in no particular order, but (laughs) number one is to go to a cheap public school and I'm pausing here because I'm like I wish that I would have heard this myself because I did the exact opposite (laughs) so go to a cheap public school I don't want you to feel pressured that you have to go to you know this name brand prestigious private school it's really expensive because hear me when I tell you that the school name does not matter. I promise. It doesn't matter. Like you go to an interview, they know what school you went to, but no one is thinking about that. Like as long as you graduated and you passed your board exam, that's really all that matters. So the school name in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter. So avoid going to expensive schools at all costs. And, you know, the thing about when you're going to look at, you know, T schools or honestly college, whatever, it's like you're you're really excited, like you're riding this wave of excitement and you're kind of on this cloud nine and the school is everything that you want for yourself, right? But don't let, you know, these schools take advantage of that excitement because sometimes you can be clouded by that. And I think in my case, I definitely was. And I just want to interject here and say, like, by no means am I bashing or anything the school that I went to. It was a great school. It was just I couldn't, I could not afford to go to that school and that's why I shouldn't have went to that school so I don't want to like you know make people think that oh Amira didn't have a good experience at her school I did (laughs) it's just that it was really expensive and I should have definitely chosen a cheaper school so but in general 
you know, don't let schools, like I said, take advantage of that excitement that you're feeling. Make sure that you're asking questions and make sure that you are paying attention to the costs. One other thing I want to mention here is actually, you know, what? I'm going to mention this in, um, I'm going to mention this one in the second point because it follows that more. So anyways, point number one is go to a public cheap school and just avoid those expensive schools at all costs. All right. Okay. Point number two, pursue the MSOT, which is the master's. You don't need, hear me when I say need a doctorate, because in like 99% of cases, the OTD does not mean more pay. And again, I'll talk more about that because in some scenarios, it does mean a little bit more pay, mostly in the school systems, but in across the board in general, people who have the OTD do ha, did not earn any more money and you know you can't use that to negotiate so don't stress about the mandate seriously like i know i'd stressed about it but you really don't have to stress about it okay this is the other thing i wanted to talk about so it's also so pursuing the masters because you don't have to have the otd so like it's okay if you if you get the msot but it's also worth looking into the option where and this is like actually pretty new for me but or not new for me, but like I've heard of it pretty recently that you can get an MSOT in five years and you do that by combining your undergraduate and your graduate degree. So that's a really nice option because A, you're in school for a shorter time. B, you graduate with your undergrad and your grad degree and then you can start working. And in the end, like that makes it cheaper for you. So I really like that that's an option now. So that's definitely worth looking into. I'll see if I can find a little bit more information about it and I will link it in the show notes, but I've just had a couple of, you know, people on Instagram when I'm talking about the subject, they tell me that that's what they ended up doing and that they were able to save a lot more money by combining those degrees. All right, kind of in the same avenue here is point number 3 is to explore the OTA to OT bridge programs. Now, this could be significantly cheaper of a way to become an OT. Plus, the nice thing is that you can work as an OTA while becoming an OT, you know, or or practice as an OTA. So, you get less debt, similar pay, similar roles, you know, you get the experience, but I think and I will say like in general this program it might take you a little bit longer to become an OT but you know you get less debt so I guess it (laughs) comes down to debt and time which are obviously huge factors in your um, life but when it comes to debt or time I think that I choose less debt even if it takes me a little bit longer I still choose less debt and I think it's cool that you know the people I've talked to who have done this Like I said, they're able to practice as an OTA and because the roles are so similar, once you become an OT, it's like you can just jump right into it because you have all of that amazing experience already. All right, next point. (laughs) So keep costs while you're in school low. And I don't know that I've done an episode exclusively on saving money while in graduate school. If I haven't, let me add that to the list (laughs) of things to talk about. I think I have a blog post on it, so I will link the blog post in the show notes. But 
keeping your costs while in school low is really important. So getting roommates, living at home if you can, meal prepping, limit your spending to the absolute bare minimum. And the reason is you really want to avoid borrowing extra money to cover your living expenses. Now, again, you know that I share all of the mistakes that I've made (laughs) when it comes to financial mistakes and When I was in OT school, I think this is definitely an area that I could have been better about. But again, just my relationship with money honestly was, I don't know, very immature for lack of better words. And you know the saying, you don't know what you don't know, right? And that was so true for me, especially in graduate school. I mean, gosh, I was like early 20s. There was just still so much that I needed to learn and so many areas just of myself that needed to mature and my finances were definitely, definitely one of them. So keeping your costs low while you're in school will, like I said, help you to avoid borrowing extra to cover those living expenses. Because again, that was something that I did. Like I had an amount that was given to me, but I needed extra to cover my living expenses. And because my expenses were pretty high, I just borrowed and borrowed and borrowed. And now I am paying all of that back. So I'm definitely, you know, paying for past Amira and the mistakes that I made. And, you know, the whole point of having this podcast is to help others not make those same mistakes that I did, because I really think that if you have the right guidance and you have, you know, the right people in your ear telling you things that you need to hear, not that you want to hear, but that you need to hear, it'll really help you in the long run. So All right, I think I'm done with that one. (laughs) Moving on to, I think this is the last one. Yeah, the last one. So last one is, and I know this one might make you raise your eyebrows a little bit, but my last tip is to consider a gap year. And I say this because I've talked to so many pre-OT students now who have gotten into a school, but they got into like all of the expensive schools, not the cheaper schools. And they almost feel kind of like backed into a corner because it's like, okay, well, like I didn't get into the cheap school, but I got into this other school and it's a little bit more expensive, but hey, like I want to go to OT school right now. So I need to go to the school that accepted me. And so you're kind of left backed into this corner where I either start now, take on the debt, pay it later, or I can wait. And my advice really is that if you only get into those expensive schools, it is okay to delay becoming an OT. You're eventually going to become an OT, but it might have to be later. And I know like it stinks, right? Like nobody wants to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to become an OT right now because I can't afford it. But the truth is, and I'm being really honest here, I I really, like, I kind of wonder if this was my situation, what would I have done? And I think it would have been a really tough, hard decision to make. But I really think that choosing to hold off on going to that expensive school and waiting until you get into the school that you can actually afford is really going to set you up later in life because at the end of the day like one year of delay is so much better than 20 years of debt trust me do not feel backed into a corner here consider a gap year and the thing is there's so much that you can do in that gap year that can help boost your 
resume or that can help just give you the experience that is going to help you for when you do become an OT. So becoming a rehab aide or a tech or like there's all these different things in healthcare or outside of healthcare. Maybe you, I don't know, I don't know, volunteer somewhere or you do mission work or like something else. There's so much that you can do between that year from undergraduate to starting graduate school. And if you choose what you do wisely, like I said, it can really set you up to have some nice experience going forward as you pursue an OT. So consider the gap year and just remember a little bit of a delay is okay. And delay doesn't mean denied. You still will become an OT, but you'll become an OT with far less debt and future you will appreciate that decision. So those were my top tips. I mean, honestly, I have so many tips for making sure that you become an OT, but do it as cheap as possible. So just to recap, going to a public cheap school, pursuing the MSOT or doing the combination where you can get your MSOT and combine your undergrad and graduate degree, exploring the OTA to OT bridge programs, making sure to keep your costs while in school low so that you avoid borrowing extra to cover your living expenses and considering a gap year so that you can wait to go to a school that you can afford. Now, that being said, all that being said, of course, as with anything I talk about, do with this information what you will, right? Take what resonates, leave what doesn't, because ultimately it's your choice, it's your life. And I'm not saying don't become an OT by any means, but I am saying you should really choose the cheapest path to become one so that it makes the most financial sense. You want to decrease the debt because that increases your quality of life. And that's what OT is all about, right? Increasing quality of life and We do it for our patients, we do it for our clients, and we have to do it for ourselves too. Now, going back to the original question that I got on Instagram, I I just want to give like a clear answer because I know this episode mostly focused on is the degree worth the debt, which this person did ask, but I kind of want to just like address some of what was in this question as well. So in terms of having some reservations, I think that's perfectly normal and you know that's very typical for pre-OTs myself included right like you're making a big step for your future for your career so having some reservations in itself is like not a bad thing but you want to see and break down kind of where those reservations are coming from so what is it that has you so reserved is it just the finances is it the work-life balance is it you know the flexibility of the career is it you maybe are interested in something else entirely and you're choosing between OT and something else. So I think breaking down those reservations and and looking at them individually for what they are. But I just want to like clarify that I do feel like having some sort of reservations about starting OT school is is kind of normal. And you know, a lot of people feel that way because it's a big it's a big step. It's a big transition. And so take your time, think it through, write out those reservations and figure out where they are coming from and how you can address them. Now Second part, OTs are secretive about their pay. I don't, I don't disagree. And I don't know that it's so much that we are collectively secretive as, as much as it's just, we don't talk about it enough. And I think that's one of the big things that is my goal is for us to change that and for us to be more open, having these conversations about money. So yes, you know, a lot of OTs are not forthcoming with that information, but it is becoming more and more 
uh, transparent. There's more salary transparency happening, especially on like Instagram and otsalary.com. So the OTs that are talking about it are out there. You just kind of have to seek them out and seek out those resources. So, but if you ever have any questions about pay, you know who to come to. Also, check out my Instagram highlights and there is a highlight called salary and there are a bunch of real life numbers and settings and states in there. So you can check those out as well. As far as trouble landing a job, actually no. Like I've never had trouble looking for an OT position. Um, a lot of people haven't had trouble looking for a job because there's so many different things you can do. There's different settings, states, cities, all that good stuff. So there are jobs out there. It's just finding a job that is going to meet your needs in particular and be the pay, of course, that you want it to be. So as far as if I think that OT has a good ROI and again, breaking down this return on investment, meaning, you know, basically is the degree worth the debt, right? Like, is it worth investing in? I think, again, it depends on how much you invest. And, you know, my answer to that is no more than 70,000. So keeping your investment low will set you up to, you know, feel better about the pay that you end up earning. But the end of this message, as far as being like shorthanded with pay and people aren't earning as much as they thought they would, that is unfortunately all true. So I just wanted to again, break down that message because I've gotten that message so many times, just kind of phrased different ways. So I wanted to make sure that I was very clear in my answer. I mentioned earlier at the very beginning of this episode that this topic comes with a lot of negativity and can truly be clouded by negativity. And so my hope with this episode is really to just shed some light on some of the real things that are happening in our profession when it comes to you know, navigating the financial side of things. But that being said, a lot of people want to know, should I still pursue OT? And like I said earlier, I do. I truly believe that at its core, OT is a beautiful profession and it is a profession that is worth pursuing. But I want to talk a little bit deeper about that, just, just to wrap us up. All right. So OT does have a whole lot of cons, but like that's a lot of professions, right? There's no perfect profession out there. So yes, OT has a lot of cons and I mentioned some of them in this episode, but that really shouldn't deter, discourage, or stop you from pursuing it. As more and more current OTs, myself included, are sharing some of the harsh realities of this profession, I think it can be easy for us to question you know, the decision to become one and you may be questioning your decision in becoming one. But here's the thing though, every single profession comes with cons. There's ups and there's downs and there's advantages and there's disadvantages and there's challenges and obstacles and wins and losses, right? There is no perfect profession. And in my opinion, the financial side of OT, particularly the high cost of education, the lower salaries, the limited room for growth in the traditional scope are some of its biggest drawbacks. But guess what? If I could do it all over again, I would. Because the possibilities of what you can do in this profession and the lives you can impact are unlimited. I truly believe that, especially now that I am exploring more of non-traditional and non-clinical roles. Like OT is just, it, it's, it's, it's a 
big unicorn. <laughs> I'm like trying to, to figure out how I want to describe it. OT is just like something that you can really do anything with it because at its core, we are focused on occupation and occupation meaning what occupies our time. And so you can like literally do anything as an OT, which is really cool. So I would do it all over again. I just would have done it in a cheaper way. That's all. <laughs> and that's all I want you to do to be wise about the path that you choose, to become an OT with the least amount of debt as possible so that you can love what you do without the financial burden, without the headache, and without the stress. It is possible, I promise. Be strategic, be smart, have a plan, and remember that despite the cons, OT is and always will truly be a profession worth pursuing. Hey friend, before you go, there's a few things I want to remind you about. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you heard, please take a few moments to leave a review. They seriously make my heart happy. Lastly, don't forget to check the show notes for additional resources, links, and maybe even some freebies. All right, that's all I've got. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I'll catch you in the next one. And as always, don't forget to make it a marvelous day.